What up, y'all? Welcome to Pan Curious George with your host, Pan Curious George. That's me. I will probably never introduce myself like that again. Actually, that's a lie. Watch me introduce myself like that exclusively from now on. Hi, I'm Pan Curious George, the host of Pan Curious George. That's me. Um, hey, y'all. How you doing? Basically, I'm here to talk about identity. I'm here to talk about um, holding space, and I'm possibly here to talk about like sexuality and gender, but we're going to get into that maybe a little bit later. Um, it's so funny that this is the thing that I'm making after the last thing that I made, because uh, right now I am in the process of processing uh, an interaction that I have with somebody. And I was going to try to talk to you about it in a non-biased way, but like a month ago when I first started, you know, like thinking about making this post, um, when they, the interaction first happened, I was like, oh, this is too fresh and I don't want to be like, you know, rude or anything like that. But this person was actually super rude and we aren't friends anymore. So I'm not going to bother with that. I'm not going to like give you their identity or anything like that probably, but like, I'm just not going to fucking bother with this shit because like for a second, I was like, I'm going to talk to them privately and I'm going to have a conversation with them. I'm going to call them into a conversation. It's going to be great. And I was like, you know what? I don't owe them that shit. Like, they fucked up so bad. Like, I was just deeply disrespected. Uh, when people talk about being invalidated, I don't feel like they invalidated me, but I do feel like they attempted to invalidate me. I feel like I was almost gaslighted about who I was by this individual from the way that, like, we had interacted in the past. It's like, it's cool if you just don't actually take very seriously the things that you say. Or like the conversations that you have, if you don't remember them, if you don't remember details about people, because like I've had conversations with people who straight up don't remember that we had certain conversations and they have no recollection of activities that like we have done together. They'll be like, wow, you don't know me like that. And I'm like, bro, I drove you to the hospital. I was, I was your emergency contact for at least like a month. You don't remember that? So like, that's that's just how that's just how shit is but like i i really can't tell with this person so i'm gonna just get into it so basically uh one of the last interactions i have with this person we were talking about human design and i wrote a poem um and it was like a sexual poem about like one of the channels because it was like a channel of desire or something like that and so it was like really interesting it was like intricate and it was like uh intense and like you know visceral and it was like a little bit explicit um because that that felt correct for the thing. Um, and then we didn't talk for a while, but they were vibing off that poem. They were like super into it. They're like, oh, this is amazing. I love it. Er. And I was like, yeah, have your have your partner read to you. And they were like, oh, I will. Um, and I was like, you know, vibing. Um, and then we didn't talk for a minute. And then they sent me a voice note. And this voice note was like, oh, we haven't talked in a minute. I'm sorry. I meant to get back to you but like you know i'm just very busy and i've been off my phone i've been trying to be more unplugged lately yada yada and i was like oh so fun for you that's so good and they were like um something something like the poem blah 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 and the and chat so i respond like a month later a couple weeks later like yo you want to be pentiles and then i go oh you know what i haven't talked to them in a minute let me send them the last poem that i wrote that was like in line with that project that, you know, I was kind of working on where I was like writing human design poetry or whatever it was. Um, and this was like so fucking funny y'all because like I wrote this, I wrote this poem a while ago. I had posted it. I've sent it to so many people with no context, with no warning. And like this poem read, like, it's just like something about like, uh, about it's basically, it's a poem about not kissing somebody. Like this poem is not actually explicit at all. This poem literally just talks about the experience of desiring to kiss an individual and it not happening. In fact, I'm going to read you this fucking poem because like, if I could find it, man, it's just, ah, oh, man, I really enjoy it. Hold on. Let me see. Oh, here we go. One, I love, oh no, no. One, how you love to look me dead in the eyes. And make me feel what you feel when you decide to grip my thighs between your thighs. Two, when you decide that your nails need the rhythm of my denim beneath them to send that tingle delightful up my spine. Three, that you catch with your lips as I try to catch the breath that you just stole, pocketing a skipped heartbeat for good measure. Four, I love to hate the moment where you decide this was all a tease. Five, certain that your eyes so full of mischief were enough to fill me with the same desire I feel when you actually give me those. 
choreographed kisses with your whole body like it's the very last performance you will get and you are sure I will need an encore. So like when this person said that this was like a sexual poem, sorry, I probably should be like a good poet would have been pause. Okay, there's your pause. Okay, so drink it in. Now, basically, I feel like this poem, I mean, unless a person interprets choreographed kisses with your full body or whatever it is, like as fucking, like this is not a sexual poem. Like, and maybe I'm just naive or something like that. But when I say choreographed kisses with your full body, I'm talking about making out with somebody. I'm talking about like, you know, like we were just talking about gripping thighs with thighs, right? So you're like, that's not a very easy thing to do if your genitals are inside the other person's genitals. Like, that's all I'm saying. Like, I mean, like maybe if you're scissoring or something like that. Sorry, guys, this has got sexual. <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out how to turn this sexual. Because like for me, making out full body chore choreography, I'm just thinking about like, yeah, the nails going up the back. I'm thinking about like, you know, like the, the hands running through the hair. I'm talking about like, like that light massage of the lower back as a person like, you know, runs the hand over your neck and then kisses the other side of your neck, whatever it is, right? Or like nibbles on your ear and blows on it as they like run their nails down like your ribcage. Like, you know what I mean? I'm talking about like just kissing them. Like, I'm just talking about kissing them. I'm talking about like running your, your hands down somebody's forearms and then like catching their fingers in your fingers and then just like interlocking them, right? Um, and just like putting their hands behind their back and like holding them like it's a hug, right? Whatever it is. Like whatever it is, y'all, that's like, that's what that is to me. That's what a full body choreographed kiss is. So like, I can understand if somebody understood that to be like fucking, cause they're crude or some shit. But this person was like, <laughs> I, was just, I think I'm just read this message. Like, I'm going to just read this message because it, like, it, it kind of shocked me. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This interaction was so short. So this person's like, you need to never text me shit like this again. For real. Do not. And I was like, oh, sorry, friend. That's an old poem I wrote. I could have sent it to you via Insta. It wasn't a come on. But the last time I texted you one of these uh, that I, I wrote you, uh, you thought it was chill. Won't happen again. It was just explaining that it wasn't meant to uh, disrespect a boundary or anything. And uh, the response was, last time I interpreted it as related to a human design channel, this was in relation to being pen pals. You never sent me anything like that out of context before. I do not feel comfortable with that. Thank you for respecting. And I'm just like, okay, ooh, shit. Like, uh, my phone died. So I was like, yo, sorry, phone died. That pen pal message was in response to literally the last voice note you sent about being off your phone more. The poem was unrelated to it. I was just sharing something I wrote a friend. Honestly, I feel like I need to ask if I just triggered the shit out of you because you misunderstood the intentions behind what you received. I'm not sure what to say at this point because I'm really just surprised by the forcefulness. I, I didn't really think you could take that in the context you took it based on our past interactions. Uh, but also, I'm used to this. Catch you later. Um, also, I'm used to this. Catch you later. Now, I know that we talk about like female people and women being like, everything's fine, but it's not fine. Like, let me tell you, like, girl, when I said, but also I'm used to this catch you later, I was kind of like, yo, you're just like every other fuckwit that has ever misgendered me. Like, I hate you. You're a dick. Goodbye. Not really. That's not how I actually like felt it. But, you know, like it was it was not good. Like, that was not a like, I am not sure what to say at this point, because I'm really just surprised by the forcefulness. I didn't really think you could take that in the context. You took it based on our past interactions. Like. I don't mean to be cryptic, but like read between the lines, dog. Like I literally was saying, you have disappointed me so deeply because I thought you knew who I was. And the fact that you took this so poorly makes me feel uncomfortable. So like they then send me a voice message and like they sent that on in September. I didn't read that shit. I didn't listen to that shit till Friday of, I don't know when I listened to that. Maybe last Friday. Um, and I was all ready to send them a message like about it. Like, I was like, oh, I wrote this whole ass message out. Um, I, oh, actually, let me clarify this. They sent me a voice message. It is multiple minutes long. Like, and basically what they do is they, they talk about the context for why I should understand that I did something wrong. And I'm over here like, dog, I send you poetry. You vibe. You don't talk to me for a long time. Ideal. Then I send you poetry and we vibe some more. 
Like, this has always been how we interact. So the fact that suddenly I'm just like scaring the shit out of you because I sent you a poem, it like blows my mind. But what was really fascinating to me about this, like, because you guys have heard the poem at this point now, was that they described this in the in the voice note that they sent as like, it was like receiving a dick pic. I felt violated. And like, one, wow, like that is like such an insult. Uh, because it's like, if you, I sent you a poem about not kissing somebody. And for you, the sexual energy behind that was tantamount to receiving an unsolicited dick pic. Like that is like a, such a huge cultural faux pas to, as a male person, send a female person an unsolicited dick pic. And like homegirl is married. So I'm really surprised. Like, I'm really surprised that she took it this way. Like I have never been anything but respectful of this marriage, this relationship. Like I'm kind of stunned that she took it that way. Um, but like, I'm also just really entertained also because like, that's also like a really big compliment. Cause when you think about it, like imagine you send somebody a poem that is about not fucking at all. Like it's not anything. It's like, it's about, it's about, it's about what it's like to think about that person kissing you. Right. Um, or not that person like her specifically, but it's like, it's, it's a poem that's about, you know, the, the person in question talking about the person they're witnessing, not kissing them. And it's like, what's fascinating to me also is that she and I have never hung out in person. So like, I don't know how she could take this. Like, it's like how I would, I would not have written this about you dog. Like I've never hugged you. I've never had your thighs between my thighs. I've never had your nails on my denim. What you freaking out about? I am like, cause she also goes, it's not cause you're, it's not cause you're male. If, if you were a woman, I would have the same response. No, the fuck you wouldn't. You literally like, I don't, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. You know what? Maybe I should just read you what I wrote this person in response, because this is like so fascinating to me. Because if I were to go back to, to the moment that I was in, she sends this voice that's five minutes long, basically berating me and telling me that I should understand that I am bad and I've done something wrong. Um, I've disrespected her relationship with her husband, that I should consider what it would be like to tell my parents. But I sent that to my parents. Um, I just, she sent, she got that with no context and she didn't know what to make of it. And she was triggered and like all this other shit. Like she just said so much shit. She was just sitting there justifying. And I was like, yo, you don't need five minutes to justify yourself to me at this point. Like at this point, what I need is for you to check in with me and make sure that I'm okay. Cause you flipped out at me when you and I just, I explained to you that this was not meant to be bad or this was not meant to be mean. This is not meant to be intense. I feel like I am an individual who spends a lot of time with a lot of people who do not believe in apologizing to me when they do me wrong. And you know, what's really fascinating because I grew up with Nigerian parents. They don't apologize for shit. They can like punch you in the face on purpose. Know it was a bad thing to do and still be like, ah, why did you not remove your face from the, from the, from the trajectory of my feast? And I'm just like family, family. Why were you play fighting so hard? You punched me in the face. You can't just say, sorry, I hit you. I didn't mean to. You say, sorry. I, I don't understand why you didn't move your fist out of the way of a play, play punch. That was too hard and too fast. (laughs) No, this didn't actually happen, but maybe it did. All right. So basically, I'm going to read you this. I'm going to read you this. Because I did not have the energy to, like, listen to her message when she first sent it to me. Like, I I straight up did not. I was like, I cannot handle whatever the fuck she's about to say. Because she's about to say some shit that will probably reinforce for me that this feeling that I had, that you should know me better than this, based on the conversations we've had was the case and it was the case. So I responded, I didn't have the energy to listen to this when you first sent it. I'm glad I took the time before I did. In the place I was in, I would have just, it would have just sounded to me like you were being defensive over and over and clarifying that I fucked up in the cishet context you observed the interaction from. I know you want to say you would have felt this way if anyone had sent this to you, but that is not a thing we can prove. And it doesn't make sense because you know everyone you know in a context and you can only feel a sexual threat from someone you perceive to have sexual intent towards you. So even if I were to accept it as a justification, it would be to help you feel validated in your worldview, which places me in a context I did not know you could place me in based on the interactions we have had. I don't like that worldview and I live in rejection of that context. 
Otherwise, if we really had a shared understanding of the context of our interactions over the course of the years, this interaction would have basically been impossible. I get that you would have liked to respond with more grace if that's the word you used, but the fact that you didn't is just reflective of where you were and how you saw the world in that moment. It's a reflection of how you saw me in the world and perhaps you'll do. The nuanced way in which you broke down that this was a sexually explicit, oh, no. Yeah, no, the, I'll actually, I miss, I, I wrote that wrong. The nuanced way in which you broke down that this was a sexually explicit message over and over again feels mostly like a justification for your reactiveness. It's sensual for sure. Arguably sexual in intention if a person reads choreographed kisses with your whole body as figurative language for fucking, rather than literally being lip-locked, fully present, and intentional in the act of kissing. But mostly it's implicit, it's implicit of passion, longing, and intimacy. And while you try to get me to empathize with you, which is already my default state, right? Because I grew up in like a this is not in the this is not in the thing that I wrote. I grew up in a in an environment that sort of breeds codependency where you're you as a child, if your parents do not have more emotional maturity than you, you have to deal with the fact that they don't and you have to opt to be more emotionally mature to soothe and protect and take care of yourself. But then you also have to do it to be able to navigate their lack of emotional maturity or you will be boned. So like for me, empathy is second nature. I have to operate in a way where I understand the emotions of the people around me uh, or I don't have to, but I had to as a child. And so I default to it as an adult. Anyway. While you try to get me to empathize with you, which is my default state, as you repeatedly characterize elements of this narrative, it feels like you are trying to sell me on a sexually charged version of this poem that is quite literally only about prolonging the moment before a kiss. As you ask me about sending this poem to my parents or to other people with no context, I regularly send this kind of poetry to people with no context beyond they have read my poetry before and enjoyed it. In case you're wondering, my mom reads my poetry when I ask her not to, it frustrates her. My dad does not consume any of my creations. My friends don't assume poems about not kissing people are intended as literary dick pics. And I have sent a poem, uh, I sent a poem I told you to have, I said the name of this person, but her partner read to her if she was sitting next to her. I would have had you read the last one I sent you directly to your partner. Uh, if I had sent it to your partner, I would have told him to read it to you. And I would have loved to watch either of you read it to the other person. If that threatens him or makes him mad, that's his business. That aside, you are literally asking me to shame myself, which isn't something I'm going to do. I am not going to feel bad about this beyond unintentionally triggering you. That is where the apology ends. That's where the apology has to end. Theoretically, I could feel bad about the element where you felt boundaries had been transgressed. But given the context of the conversations we had, I didn't know it was possible. And since you apologize for not being clear enough, and have to go into very minute detail to describe how the boundary was crossed, I feel like we both understand at this point that no boundaries were intended to be crossed. So the fact that you're asking for, like the fact that she's asking for like an apology um, for, it, basically I don't, I don't think you can apologize for triggering somebody unless you know what their trigger is and you do it on purpose. Because that's like saying, oh, I'm sorry I didn't step on eggshells around you, which is stupid as hell. It doesn't make any sense, right? You can apologize for like how your actions cause the person to feel because you didn't intend to cause them pain, but you can't really apologize for doing something you didn't know was wrong. That's like, you can apologize for the outcome of stealing, but like you can't apologize for stealing. It's exactly what the fuck you meant to do. If you didn't know something could be stolen, it's what you meant to do. You can't apologize for that. It doesn't make sense. You can be sorry for the outcome, but you can't actually have been sorry for the action because you can't have known it was bad. If... <laughs> That was unnecessary. Um, anyway, back to this letter. You have shifted which parts of the message made you uncomfortable, be it the pen pal element or the poem itself. It's irrelevant at this point. I don't hate you. I'm not mad at you, but I am disappointed. I have compassion for the moment, but at this point, it's more important we check in with ourselves about what we need to personally forgive. I forgive myself for trusting you, not in a melodramatic way, but it is my own fault for allowing myself to respond to your energy by characterizing myself as the victim of your reaction. I feel vulnerable for having to need to steal myself in preparation for your words. I literally felt bad. I don't want to create that kind of karma between us over misunderstandings. It runs counter to how I wish to operate. I know what the world looks like to other people. I don't have to be surprised by it. I don't have to be wounded by somebody I've never met in person misunderstanding my intentions. But also, it feels weird to shift you from the friend box to the acquaintance box. Because she was like somebody I've been friendly with. So she basically was like moved us from, oh, we're friends to we're acquaintances and like her voice message. And I was like, Ooh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, and I'm like, that's where we're at. But at this point I'm like, you're not even my acquaintance anymore. Like I just, I, I'm not, I'm not fucking with this. Um, 
she I'm gonna just keep reading this. You probably have to forgive yourself for something similar because your reaction seemed to contextualize you as the victim of me. And you probably have something bigger to face if after all of our talks about sex and love and honoring the feminine and respect and having already read my poetry, I could still trigger you this intensely with how you interpret my behavior. Because obviously this is not in the thing that I wrote, but obviously she felt not empowered or like she felt robbed of her safety uh, by this interaction. And honestly, like, I'll, I'll get into this like later. Um, but it continues. I have typically thought of the space between us as safe or brave, but it felt uh, in that interaction as if the space was decidedly hostile. It seemed it was my job to resolve that as though I was an aggressor, despite being the recipient of the aggression and knowing I personally had no aggression or hostility. I don't like that dynamic. Context free. Right. So like then I break this down into several different understandings of the concept of the context that she and I were in when this occurred. So like context free, I don't believe this actually truly exists. This is what you can use to describe a context when you don't know details, right? But you, you're trying to piece together a series of events. Human felt unsafe because they interpreted signal of aggression. And as they justify position and build, and as they justify position and build a case, they highlight an awareness that socially their interpretation is defensible, paint the other's position as untenable, citing social norms. So basically, person feels unsafe because of somebody else's behavior, and they justify the explanation, or they experience, or they justify their experience of feeling unsafe uh, based on a greater social context. Now, when a person comes to you and says, "Hey, um, without context." Like, I didn't know what to make of this. That is not a fair thing for them to say to you ever because you cannot see something without a context and you can't be threatened by something without a context. A gun is not a threatening object without a context. Unless a gun is aimed at you, unless a gun is loaded, unless you think the gun has a reasonable, poses a reasonable threat to you, you cannot be threatened by the gun. If you know the gun is empty and you know you're not getting pistol whipped and the gun is like behind a piece of glass, like on the wall at a museum, that is a context. And you know the gun is not dangerous. You know what I mean? Like the gun is metal. In the same way, an apple is safe, but a poisoned apple killed Snow White, right? It is about the context. Anyway, when we move this context to the moderate socio-political context, a white female feels emotionally unsafe that a black male sends something undesired that was interpreted as explicitly sexual. White female was not physically under threat, but if there was just cause to believe that she were, justification for retribution given historical context would likely be deemed valid and enacted swiftly. Black male apologizes. So this, we're gonna put this in a new context. So this person is a white female with a police chief dad and older brothers. And so this person is very much like tangential to white male power and authority in the environment that she grew up in. I feel like she probably felt like threatened in a way where she doesn't normally feel threatened. Um, and that caused her to lash out at me um, because typically this is the kind of individual who, as I said before, brave space, safe space. That's the kind of uh, space she likes to seem like she cultivates. But, you know, like when you're interacting with another individual and you feel threatened and you can't go, what does this mean? Before you go, I assume that this means X, then you're not capable of responding, right? Because you are, you're not responding. Clearly you've been triggered. What's fascinating for me is she's triggered and she goes, oh, I felt unsafe. This is a social context. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Emmett Till is dead. Like what the actual fuck are you doing? Explaining to me what the fuck you thought this was. I know what the fuck you thought this was. But do you know what this looks like to me? Do you know what this feels like to me? Do you give a shit what context you create for me when I want to feel what I actually feel when a white person goes, oh, you know what? You're dangerous. Because let me tell you, I've actually like had moments where I like I have I've had, you know, uh, Caucasian exes. And sometimes I have to explain to them like, not every family has this conversation with you, but a lot of black men have conversations that people don't have to have. So one of the talks we talk about is, hey, the police might fuck you up real hard and you should just don't do anything. Just like let it happen, 
right? Because they perceive you as dangerous. They perceive you as a threat. And anything that you do that can be perceived as dangerous or as a threat can lead to you losing your fucking life. And my parents are Nigerian, so they didn't have that talk with me. Somebody else did, right? They didn't get that context. They didn't get that this is the America I grew up in, that that's a conversation people have to have. My dad really, like as an African, doesn't even get that context, which is fascinating. I think he gets it now. He gets it post, you know, like BLM. He gets it now, but he didn't get it when I got here. Like he really thought like Africans, he's like, yo, if you just play classical music and talk real polite to the police officer, you'll be fine. I'm like, bro, you have an accent that makes you very clearly sound like you're not from here and you're listening to classical music, like some American dudes probably just think you're a British guy and they don't understand what the fuck is going on. They're like, oh, I probably shouldn't kill a British national <laughs> in America. <laughs> probably wouldn't go over well. Um, God. And then I have to like sit there and be like, oh, yeah, oh, no, sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. Uh. Um, and then finally, there's like, you know, this interpersonal queer theoretical context, like we're using queer theory here. Now, if your far away polyamorous queer BIPOC person reaches out to uh, a formerly friendly, actually I'm gonna read this like this. If you're a far away polyamorous queer BIPOC person of color reaches out, that's, that's redundant, reaches out back to formally, uh, reaches back out to formerly friendly queer, white, cis, female, all this is like question marks. Suggests analog communication because other parties express that they have been trying to be off their phone. Later sends poem because of previous positive response to poetry. Communication is determined to be distressing and aggressive because the context for the white female is unclear. White female elects to assume the safest physical personal interpretation, which is a heteronormative sexual aggression uh, as the intent. Uh, and this is what she interprets this to be uh, as justified by her stress response, right? This is the safest context for her to interpret this in, but this is not the safest context for her to interpret this for me in. Um, and her jumping directly there and being far away, like, I'm just like, oh, thank God she's far away. Thank God I'm not some kid like hanging out in the same town as her with her cop dad and her older brothers thinking that like, I was trying to be threatening to her. And I sent this in the nineties as like a note right? Being like, oh, I'm queer and she's my friend and we'll be fine. And then suddenly she thinks that I'm threatening her and her older brothers come and beat the shit out of me in the back. And there are no consequences for fucking any of them because I'm black and I, I said something I shouldn't have said, right? I'm not allowed to express myself authentically because of the color of my skin. It's great. Um, anyway, uh, queer, you know, BIPOC person, recognizes shift uh, shift to a heteronormative context, um, opts for the fond response, please appease and pacify. In reaction to a reactivated trauma surrounding the denial of my queer identity, white female persistent justification of response, citing support from patriarchal heteronormative monogamous default social context, white female may be heteroflexible or queer, ethically non-monogamous, perceive herself as gender queer, female retreats to the safety of this construction. So the socio, the, the, the moderate socio-political construction that we used in the last context example, she can retreat to that at any time for safety in this interaction, but I cannot, right? And that's the issue. Um, but she retreats to the safety of the construction to validate the attempt to reestablish internal security. Uh, via support of a widely accepted status quo. So basically she's asking me to allow her, well, she's not even asking me. She retreats to this sociopolitical uh, socio context. Everybody uh, understands this context because it's basically the dominant context. And if we retreat to this uh, context, she is incredibly safe, um, is very justifiable for her to be protected by anybody in this context, even though she has misinterpreted what I've said, what's been done, who I am as a person, and it does not become safer when it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a queer person in this context because it's like, OK, so you're queer. You're not safe in the moderate context. I mean, like, I want to say, like, you, you want to say that in America you're safe in the moderate context. But like, I still like my friend will be like, yeah, my friend was riding his bicycle in Connecticut and somebody threw a fucking brick at his head. And it's just like, why? Oh, well, he had a pride flag on his bike. 
like what the actual fuck is that? Like, I do not feel extra safe just because I'm more comfortable uh, accepting identities. Um, Jesus. Whew. I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I am activated right now. But anyway, uh, queer BIPOC individual defers for sake of harmony, wondering if their context will ever be the default or if white female will recognize this interpretation as valid. So I'm going to stop right here real quick. We're going to take a little, we're going to take a little pause. Actually, maybe let's just keep going. For me, this interaction was all three contexts overlapped and more. As those contexts break down and build up into, um, as those contexts build down and break up into micro and meta context. So I don't just see this as these three contexts as the context, like trying to remove all contexts and just have like details, uh, looking at it through a moderate sociopolitical lens, looking at it through a queer theory lens. Like each of these has micro contexts and like meta contexts. Uh, that create like different versions of truth that all kinds of different people will see based on the coloring that they have of their experience. Like some people would be like, oh, well, I mean, if you were queer enough, obviously she should understand whatever. So it's like, maybe you're just like, maybe it's your bad for being too closeted. Maybe you're just too, too straight passing and that's, uh, and that's your fault, right? Um, like there are so many different ways that people could break this down and tell me that like either she is right or I am right or whatever it is. And that is why this is a problem because it's not even really about like who is right. It's about, can we find a context in which we recognize what happened? And instead of judging the action when nobody is actually harmed, we like look and go, Hey, how do we resolve what this is? Is this aggression or not? Oh, it's not aggression. Okay, I should figure out why I thought this was aggression. Is this aggression? Oh, it is. Okay, well, then I need to, well, then maybe retribution does need to be enacted, right? Maybe that's that's the version of justice we're going with. Or, right, if this is um, aggression, like call the person in or call the person, call the person in. But it's like interesting because like if she were, she she i don't think she understands that she didn't call me into a conversation here she just created a context that protects her sense of self and identity in that in that situation and for me that's tough because i'm over here i'm a relationship anarchist i don't really believe in relationship hierarchy i believe that like if i see a, a real one at any point in my life whether i've known you for like 10 years or like 10 days like you're still a real one right like that's that's just who you are right um and if i have some friends who are just on their fuck shit all the time and they're like full of shit and they're just like liars, right? Like I have to deal with that context. And I can't, if I want to live a life where I am surrounded by an environment of people who have a commitment to integrity and who act on that commitment to integrity, then it's really my fault if I choose to, for the sake of time, uh, decide that integrity is less important, right? Because then I prioritize length of relationship over quality of integrity uh, of individuals in relationship. And when you look at the way that we create relationship, uh, you'll start to notice, actually, if you look at the way that you create your relationships, you'll start to see when you start trying to put people in different contexts, what your priorities look like to you um, on a conscious and a potentially subconscious level uh, especially when you compare it to what your friends think of themselves and what your friends think of your relationship um, and whether or not you guys have a shared understanding of your relationship, right? So for me, I thought that this individual being queer herself, um, whether she's out or not, I'm, I'm certain, but she, this is a queer, this individual is, is queer and poly, right? So theoretically, I think that I'm relatively safe in this queer context. They and I have had multiple conversations about uh, love and intimacy and what it means to be, you know, healthy and what it means to be thoughtful, what it means to be open, what it means to live in response instead of in reaction. We've had multiple conversations about all these kinds of things. But what's most fascinating to me is the conversations we've had about sex and love talk about how uh, sexualizing a person um, is an insult based on the socio-political context of power dynamics in your culture. So if you believe that women are not worthy of respect, then, uh, or if your culture seems to treat women as if they're not worthy of respect, um, and sexualizing a woman, if a woman is sexy, uh, her value has diminished to only her sexual worth, then it's very understandable that like being sexualized is uh, a bad thing in your culture, 
right? Um, well, for the woman herself, it might be a fine thing for the male person um, who is sexualizing her or for the female person who is sexualizing her, whatever it is. I, uh, I don't know too much about uh, how femmes um, feel about this uh, when, you know, uh, in the context of like butch uh, lesbian fuckboys. I don't know if we use the term fuckboys for lesbians. I use the term, I think fuckboy is a non-gender specific term. <laughs> I know some, I know some fuckboys um, who are not boys. Um, but basically y'all, uh, we, we talked about, for example, we have like a, a talk that we did together even about the nature of having a relationship or no, the nature of the relationship between uh, honoring somebody because the the sexual feelings that you have, like the arousal that you experience as a result of witnessing their beauty is like, oh, I want to honor that. I feel like I should tell you that you are stunning and that you make me want to like, like you inspire feelings in me of like giving you things. Like... <laughs> You make me want to buy you presents and make you feel loved so that I can have access to your uh, intimacy and affection. Because, like, I, I don't know how to express love besides to give presents, but I want to give you presents. That's what I want. <laughs> That's how I grew up. I grew up watching my dad give my mom presents when he was happy, and you make me want to do that, right? Like, theoretically, if that's how we understood um, uh, love and intimacy, if people were just like, oh, I experience out of you the desire to create love and affection of some sort um it would be an honor to be sexualized but it's not an honor to be sexualized because it's like i am removing your humanity i am removing your personhood you are meaningless to me except for the pleasure that i can derive from you right so if you've had this conversation with me and i was the one who brought that up i was the one who brought that to your awareness that it is that it is a problematic uh that sexualization of women is problematic not inherently because people are witnessing a woman's sexuality but because people are objectifying her and dehumanizing her because of the pleasure they wish to experience from her the fact that you think that a poem that is not about sex is a is a dick pic just speaks to the fact that i don't think you're even remotely as evolved as you think you are I don't mean that like as a dig, but it's like, yo, if you're, that's how you feel, right? Like if that's where you're at, like you got to be careful about the kind of image that you present to people because like, I really just was completely blindsided by this. Like, let me just be honest here, y'all. And I mean, I feel like I've said this already. I feel like it's very clear at this point, but I was just straight up blindsided, fam. <laughs> I did not think it was possible to scare this person in that way. Um, and I did not think it was possible for this person to see me in that way. I was just like, yo, like for somebody who's like, oh, you're, you just, who I basically, this, this experience is like almost traumatizing for me almost, but mostly it's just funny because for me, I'm sitting here and I'm having this moment where I'm like, yo, I don't know what I have to do. Like, I don't know if I have to shave half my head and just get a super queer haircut and have like dreads on one half of my head and just like, like, you know, wear a little bit of makeup and like, maybe I only wear like jumpsuits, maybe I, and like, and like, you know, like one piece bits of clothing where it's like, I look like I'm wandering the desert at all times. And I just am like very androgynous and people like are like, yeah, that person, that's a queer person, probs. I don't know what that thing's gender is. Like, is that what I need to do y'all so that I don't have to like put up with this bullshit? Do I need to create like a visual aesthetic that like goes, Hey, that person, that person probably doesn't have a gender. Do I need to like change the way that I talk? Like, do I need to like sound a little bit more like effeminate and like flamboyant according to my, to my culture? So that, like, cause I use, you know, all kinds of voices all the time. Like I have so many different voices guys. Like one of the problems that I have actually is that with the pandemic, I use less of my voice than I used to. Like I used to sing a lot and I used to like, like I don't, I don't know what I sound like um, when I'm thinking about it. But I do know that like with certain groups of people, I sound specific, right? I code switch a lot. And so a lot of people think 
like, oh, you sound this way because whatever. And I'm like, no, I code switch all the time. I literally code switch all the time. I sometimes literally quote different personalities that I have um, because the accent that that personality would use as code switched with this group of people is really entertaining to you because it's out of character for you to hear me speak like that. So like, I am already a walking identity crisis. Like, let's be honest, right? Like, I just I don't, mm, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Guys, I just can't. Like, I don't know. Like, am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do so that I don't run into the situation anymore? And that's so funny, right? Because actually, at the end of the day, like, I'm not really afraid of running into the situation again. That's not the issue. The issue for me is, I always sort of experience myself as being able to experience infinite possibilities in my own mind. But once I let the possibility escape from my mind into the world, I then collapse the possibilities into a singular reality, right? It almost feels as if my, my thoughts are a quantum event. Like I can be feeling so many emotions at once but once I pick a specific emotion to express externally, right, or a specific emotional cocktail, like Molotov cocktail to throw into the room, everybody then reacts to what they believe that Molotov cocktail was. And then my internal world has to run uh, one version of my personality to interact with the room that is now responding to my existence but then the rest of my possibilities are still existing and it's just like they aren't allowed to be. Like I can't speak every, every response that I have to a sentence that a person speaks to me because I would have like four different ideas about what I wanna say. And if I say any of them, I can't say the other three. And then I can't experience what would happen if I had said the other three. And frequently what ends up happening is Sometimes I pick one just to see what happens. And the person goes, oh, I really thought you were going to say one of the other things that I was thinking about saying. And what's interesting is sometimes it's a, a positive thing where they're like, I'm just like, oh, like they know that this aspect of me exists and I resonate with them. And that's so fun. Right. It's so fun because it's like, oh, that's so cool. This person actually knows me well enough to understand that this is one of my possibilities. But they are disappointed that that possibility wasn't the one that I chose, um, which isn't a problem. Like, boo-hoo, I didn't pick the one that I liked. But sometimes it's like, oh, what if I had picked the one that they liked and we had actually started like a little moment of back and forth doing voices improving. Like I do that with my friend Adrian, right? Um, Adrian and I will say hello. And one of the possibilities is that one of us will use a silly voice and the other one will find a complimentary or opposing silly voice and we'll just speak in silly voices for five minutes right i enjoy that possibility of myself but i don't get to live it all the time because i constantly have to figure out which versions of myself are safe to allow to exist in the world around me and what that last interaction did was it told me that if i am not existing as one of these identities enough for somebody else's liking I am not safe uh, in existing as that self sometimes because they will misinterpret my behavior and they're feeling threatened. Uh, they will, you know, justify as my wrongness, expect me to justify it as my wrongness. And there is a chance that I will choose the fond response and validate that experience that they had, validate this identity that they have given me. And I will have to experience life as this individual that I don't actually feel like I was uh, or want to be. And I recognize that even though it's none of the possibilities that existed in my head at that time, the external reality has collapsed my reality or the external possibilities that are projected onto me have collapsed my reality into some bullshit that I don't like. Wow. Oh my God. That was fun to get to. Thanks guys uh, for listening. Um, I hope you have the most beautiful day. I'm just going to go uh, probably dissociate, honestly. I don't know what to do with that. I, I really do not know what to, what to make of that realization. Let's see. It's a little, actually. Like, yeah. I mean, 
for all the time I spend doing, you know, deep dives into myself to get to know myself better, to get to understand myself better so that I can like interact better with my friends and uh, family and everybody. And so I can know myself better so that I can like operate in the world in a way that actually brings me more joy. Um, if I choose to make that the focus or brings me more fulfillment, if I choose to make that the focus, um, it's, it's interesting how, even though we all fear being projected upon and having to live with the consequences of somebody else's projection onto us that we will have to deal with being experienced as somebody who isn't who we feel ourselves to be, but it's what the world sees us as, which is, you know, what we're all technically experiencing constantly, the version of us that exists in the minds of others. One, it's not our, it's not our uh, responsibility, even though it, it, we are responsible for what they, or we to some extent are responsible for what they see based on our choices, but it's not our responsibility to correct them. Like it's not my job to make you understand that I am a compassionate individual. It's your job to figure out if I am or not, or to trust it or not, or to, you know, decide that it's impossible for me to be compassionate because I am male or I am black or whatever it is that you've decided makes it impossible for you to perceive me as compassionate because it's like, how could you actually have meant that honestly and not spitefully? Um, oh, you're too, you're not, you're not, you're too, you're too, um, sarcastic most of the time to have met that sincerely, right? We paint ourselves or we're painted into uh, corners by the expressions we have chosen before, by the images that people have held onto of who and what we are. And I think that that is the most fascinating thing because I think honestly, a lot of us probably experience some kind of mild terror at the idea that we're going to have to live out life as somebody that we didn't choose to be. Um, and I think a lot of us are doing that to some degree in some way, right? We're not always being 100% authentic and true to ourselves. Um, but for me, it is fascinating that my experience is, uh, that my experience in that moment was really just a uh, a deep triggering of that that core fear of I am not allowed to be all of myself. Um, and I mean, one, I can't choose all the possibilities that I conceive of; it's impossible. But two, I cannot control how those are interpreted. And at some point, because of potentially you know, classism or racism or sexism or something, some kind of prejudice that somebody has negatively against me based on their conditioning in life, based on what they've experienced out of male people, because, you know, I understand that like male people can be threatening, but I understand also, and I also understand that, um, I understand that male people can be threatening, but I also understand that like, uh, as a genderqueer individual, like, I can't decide a lot of the time if like it's more helpful for me to be seen as a man in the moment that I'm in or for me to be seen as a non-binary individual. Um, and as I'm standing here, you know, watching it uh, effectively blow up in my face, right? Like trusting my true self to a person who says that they're my friend and then watching them explode at me in a way that doesn't make any sense to me and watching them not apologize and have no interest in um, in resolving it, except for to make sure that I understand that I fucked up from their perspective. Um, it, yeah, it clarifies for me that it's, maybe I'm not allowed to have, maybe I'm not allowed to be all of the things that I am. Maybe I'm not allowed to have all of the, uh, realities existing within me that I have exist. Maybe I have to choose one face. Maybe I have to be one person. Maybe I have to, to, to falsely cut away different aspects of my identity so that I can be accepted um, by the people around me. Or maybe I just need to keep trying over and over again until I am only surrounded by people who accept uh, the truth of me, you know? But uh, we'll see. Anyway, guys, uh, that turned into mostly me explaining what went wrong. It didn't really turn into me talking about holding space for yourself, but uh, it did turn into me recognizing that um, I uh, do fear the consequences of being perceived and that I really want to make sure that uh, 
I um, have my own back because I feel like in that interaction that I had with that person, I didn't have my own back. And after writing that whole thing that I was going to send to them, I didn't send it to them because I didn't want to make it my job to engage with them. I think that there might be a time where having my own back is uh, really talking to that person and going, no, this isn't an appropriate way of responding to me. Um, and I will not allow you to treat me like this because you have made this a man threatens woman context when in reality for me, it is a uh, black queer individuals threatened by heterosexual passing white female uh, with power uh, scenario. And both of us have valid experiences that both need to be addressed. We cannot, you cannot decide that mine doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. Um, and I can't just decide to, to not stand up for myself. And I can't just decide to pretend that everything is okay by letting the other person get mad and walk all over me and my existence. So yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the end of this y'all. Um, I didn't mean to end it so rambly, but um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, what we, that's where we ended up. Um, I am going to, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'm just going to post this, make a post saying that I posted this, and then I'm going to go take a bath. Bye. Hey, what up, y'all? So this is the um, end of the podcast. Uh, I just want to say thank you for listening. I appreciate you. If you want to get in touch with me, please hit me up at uh, instageorgeous at gmail.com. I would love to hear your thoughts about this recording. I would love to hear your thoughts about um, your own identity, um, whether or not you feel safe, how you feel about experiencing yourself um, when you have to deal with somebody whose identity and whose uh, space in the culture is more dominant. Um, because it is a fascinating experience to recognize that while your truth is super marginalized, um, your appearance does not seem that way. And so people do not actually understand you in the context of what you understand yourself. Um, what is it like navigating situations where people do not recognize who or what you are? What is it like? I mean, I can see this happening for, you know, um, other African people like me who are like, ah, I'm African. Um, I'm like a Nigerian American. I'm a Congolese American, but you just see a black person in front of you. And I don't understand the context that you're putting me in. Or maybe I do understand the context you're putting me in and I'm allowing you to put me in it, but it is incorrect. I understand this could happen for mixed people. I understand that this can happen for trans people. I understand that this can happen for all kinds of people. So I want to know about your experiences. Like you guys should definitely tell me how you feel. Um, I think it's important to know. Um, I think it's important to share. So voice that shit. Like find me on Instagram. Talk about it on my latest post or something like that. All right. Thanks. Love you. Bye.